Hello and welcome to the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. Andy Warren here, just teeing up a little chat Stuart Watson and I have had with Ipswich Town CEO Mark Ashton. We, of course, covered transfers and what's going on in the transfer market as well as what's going on at the stadium at Portman Road, the clean-up operation there and plenty of other bases covered. He's only been here a month, of course, but it's pretty clear and you'll hear yourself from the next 35 minutes or so that Mark's got a real passion for for this uh, project, for want of a better term, at Portman Road. Some really interesting stuff in here from uh, the man the man that's leading it all. So I'll chuck this over to myself, Stuart Watson and Mark Ashton. Okay, we're here with Ipswich Town CEO Mark Ashton. Mark, we're in your office at, at Portman Road. You've been in this job a month. How much of the last month have you spent in this room? Probably quite a lot, I'd imagine. Um, well, you can see my grey hairs are, are growing by, by the day, yeah. Um, it's been um, a really exciting first month. I can't believe it's a first month, if I'm honest with you guys. Um, a lot of it's been spent in here. A lot of it's been spent at the training ground, uh, getting to know people, getting to meet people. Um there's a lot to do, but we're in the midst of a transfer window. So players, players and more players has been where a lot of my time has been spent. It must always be pretty busy going into a club, but this this club in this window is um, it's like no other, isn't it? Um, it's oh, it's a big turnaround of players, that, that, that's, that's for sure. Um, I think probably once in my career, 20 years ago, when we went into Watford, we had a big turnaround of players. Um, but I don't think it's as big a turnaround as we, we're having this summer. Um, you know, people get excited around the players coming in, but what you mustn't underestimate is the amount of work that goes onto the players moving out. That, those deals don't just happen. Um, so that's where a lot of the focus is going. Um, Paul was really clear um, on what he wanted to build. Uh, for next season to make us really competitive and that meant a big change a big change in players um, a change in type of player Um, and we're working tirelessly towards that goal I think as we sit today we've got six in so we're moving in the right direction When Paul tells you what he wants to do with the squad and how big a turnover he wants what's your first thoughts Mark as the man who has to uh, facilitate all of this? Um, Gulp uh, <laughs> take a deep breath. It didn't surprise me, if I'm honest with you. I think where my my anxiety came a little bit was at, at that point I was probably in the last couple of weeks of of exiting uh, Bristol City, and you just want to get in and get started and help. Um, so I, I knew the volume of work that was going to hit me and my my team, and. I think the one thing you always feel that you're up against is time. You know, we work really long days, but there is simply the time. Time always feels like it's 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 the enemy. So it didn't surprise me because I, I could I just sensed that that was coming. But what I was really pleased with, Paul was so clear in what he wanted and how he wanted to do that. That actually makes my job far easier. Mm-hmm. Give us an idea of your working days then. How long are they? How many phone calls are you taking? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm an early riser. Um, so I'm up and about, the alarm goes at 5.30 um, and I finish when I go to bed and that's seven days a week. And that's fine. That's what we do. Um, it's a great job to have. Um, it's always a little bit crazy in a transfer window. Um, as you've just said, probably no other transfer window quite like this. Um 
you know, we've, we've talked about it before. I have a, a dashboard that we, we operate on a daily basis that shows me all the transactions from all um, our competitors in, in League One. And, you know, there's some big clubs in League One who are yet to sign a player. We've got six in. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I want at least another five in. And we are down the line in a number of those. Some we will conclude, I'm sure, some we won't conclude, but we have alternative options. So it, the six we've, we've, we've got in, I'm really pleased with. I think the five that are remaining are the five most difficult ones, and that's why they're taking some time. But we are going to be and continue to be active right throughout this window. What's the, what's the difficulty with them? Is it kind of the stature of the player, the position they play, the clubs they're at? What's, the, what's made those deals more difficult? Every deal is, is just so, so unique. I, I describe the transfer window as, as a spider's web that moves by the hour um, because it's almost like a jigsaw piece. And, a, you know, a piece, something happens at Club A, Club then B, C, D, E and F have a ripple that makes a transfer available or not available. So you could be right down the line on a transfer. 90% of it's done. Then the club that he's at get an injury and he can't come to you. Um, or the club suddenly have the ability to acquire a player that makes a player available that you didn't think was available. Um, or for some reason, the agent gets involved, or the player moves agents mid-window. There are so many things that happen, um, but we just have to be really consistent with our behaviours, consistent with our messaging and what we're looking for. And you know, we, as I've just said to you, we're looking to bring at least five more in in this window. But that doesn't mean I'm only targeting five players. In each of those positions, we're active in probably four players in each of those positions. Um, that takes a lot of time. That's a lot of phone calls, a lot of knowledge, and a, a lot of information that's passing. And I think if we can get five in of the right quality that we want, I'll go back to it, we should be very competitive next season. How do you think Ipswich Town are perceived in the market at the moment under new ownership with you in the building can that work against you when people think there's new money at a football club for sure um, I think that's a really really good question um, there's, there's no question that we're being used by whether that's certain agents or certain clubs um, because we are perceived to, to have money to spend um, and that just naturally happens when a club's under new ownership but what I tend to do, I've got good relationships with the majority of CEOs and owners through my EFL work. I'll just call them and I'll just say, look, can I just tell you, I've seen us linked with that player in the media. We are not in for that player. Don't let us be used. And that just builds your relationships and your trust with other clubs. So when you go to that club, whether it be now or in a year's time for, for a player or, or something else, the relationships are good. Um, but look, that happens with us. That'll happen with other big clubs. You know, if you're if you're at, I don't know, a, a Sunderland or a Sheffield Wednesday, you'll have the same challenges because you will perceive to be a big football club. Um, we've just got to make sure we conduct ourselves in the right and proper manner, uh, and that's what we're doing. And we'll keep stepping through the options that we're looking for. Um, but as I've already said earlier, we need at least another five. Do you want them? Oh, it's the old cliche, isn't it? You want them early. Pre-season starts this Saturday. or Obviously, you want these done by August 7th, won't you? Or, or is this one that's going to drag on to the end of August, do you think? The earlier, the, always the earlier, the better. Any manager, Paul is no different, will want his players in early so he can conduct pre-season with them and drill them into the way he wants them to play. But the reality is, 
the deal gets done when the deal gets done. Um, I've been in this too long now to put time frames on things. And the minute you put time frames on things, actually, you just set yourself up to fail. Um, because again, there's so many factors that change. You think a deal's going to be done in 24 hours, it takes a week. You think a deal's going to be done in a week, it gets done in 24 hours. We're professional in the way we behave and the way we operate. We know the market and there'll be more players coming in for sure. Be remiss of us not to ask you about some of the names that are that are out there that others have reported that we've reported, Mark, but you're smiling. I, I know you're probably going to hit this with a straight bat, but uh, Matt Crooks, Burson, Selena, can you tell us about either of those? Uh, both really good players. Um, look, what I would like to say, and I think this is a great opportunity for me to say this to, to the supporters, um, we get linked with players, um, some of it true, some of it false. Um, like any other football club, things will leak out the football club. And when that happens, it hurts the football club. So if I talk about specific deals on specific players that we're in for, it means that we probably have a much greater chance of losing that player because it alerts other clubs to the player. And I know at times people think they're smart and they're clever and they leak things out on social media um, to try and be the first to announce something. But let me be really clear to the fans. That hurts Ipswich Town Football Club. It really, really hurts us because it sets us back in the deal. It'll either cause the agent a problem, it'll cause the club a problem, and it'll cause the player a problem. So we have to conduct our, our, our ourselves privately when we have a deal when something is real I promise the fans they will be first to know um, you know I've, I've known you as the, uh, our local press in a short period of time I think we're building a relationship we've got to build a relationship and a bond of trust with the supporters as well the fans will know from us directly when a deal is done we'll be linked with players right across the transfer window for sure why because we're Ipswich Town and we are a big club um, in this transfer window um, but when, when a player's name is in the press it's normally in the press for a reason and that may well be the, an, another club leaking it out because they want to try and drive the value um, it may be an agent because he wants to try and drive the value there are a multitude of reasons why the names are in the press I can't comment on the individual ones because it will compromise us in those deals but I promise the fans they will be the first to know from us as soon as we get deals across the line. Is it possible to keep those sort of secrets within football, whether whether it gets into the public domain via, via media or not? Do, would, would an agent, for example, not be sort of circulating that player to, to other clubs? Does, does that happen, Mark? Or yeah, I, I, can I, listen, things be done quietly? I, I think, listen, we all we, we can do is control what we can control. So we will behave in a certain way. The reality is, in, in in the current world, with all the variety of social media uh, platforms, um, with cameras on mobile phones, you you can't bring a player in for a coffee or a private chat anywhere because it it will normally get caught. All we can do is is behave in a certain way and try and keep things as quiet as we can to protect the deals. Ultimately, things will will leak out, but we will act professionally. We will act in a way that makes sure we have the best chance of getting the players we want do you not do those things as a result kind of I guess ordinarily if you were trying to hire someone for a job they would come in for a meeting and a discussion about it is football different do you do you avoid doing those in the, the kind of the places where you think that would get done yeah um, 
I'm, I'm a little old school, so I, I like to see the whites of people's eyes. I think Zoom's changed the world in, 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 in the pandemic. Um, but we do background checks on all the players, um, and football's a village. Um, and as part of those background checks, and Paul's really strong on this, is the character check. So we will know either a manager or a player who's been in the dressing room with the player that we're trying to sign, um, or you've got a backroom member of staff who's even worked with that player. So that allows you to do a lot of the checks. But there is always a meeting, a conversation in some way, shape or form um, before you get to medical. When you get to medical, um, you get your chance. At that. That's normally the point, because at that point you've got formal position permission from the club to meet the player and that's when if you like the in-depth conversations start I need to point out to our listeners that uh, Mark's phone's gone off about three times during the, <laughs> the process of this chat already so yeah um, and he's poor so I'm put, I'm, the, the, the fans are the priority right now so I'm, I'm cutting them off cutting them off cutting them off well there we go well that's a nice segue that's, that's the manager is it Paul Cook yes. giving you a call how's yes. Paul been to work with um, he's a character we know that um is he on to you every every minute of the day? Have we done this still? Where are we at with this one, Mark? And no, it, it, I, I think in the short time that we, we, we've worked together, we, we've already built a bond of trust. We have a really good communication. We'll talk several times a day um, because people will call him, people will call me, and we need to make sure all the information's aligned up. The same goes for, for, for Franny Jeffers, Robbo, Craney, etc. Um, so we sit down probably once a day formally, um, but we're on the phone, as you can see, every every other minute, making sure everybody's up to speed and up, and up to date. He's been great, um, very straightforward um, to work with. Good, really good, clear communicator. Uh, and he, ring, he, you know what, he brings and his backroom staff bring a fantastic energy to the place. Really positive um, and really clear on what they want to do. So yeah, so far so good. I'm enjoying their company socially um, and they've been really professional to work with. You mentioned there that this is important because it's a, a line of communication to the fans and both the ownership group and yourself have made it clear that that, that is a big thing that's going to change at this football club, that you're going to be as open and honest and transparent as possible and try and bridge that gap with, with the fan base. Um, you've made a really good start with that. How, how important is that going to be going forwards, Mark? You know, I think it's really important. And, you know, we, we, were, we were laughing and joking earlier. I'm, I'm 50 this year. And before you say it, I know I look 60, but I am only 50 this year. Um, I think it's really important. And I've had a long career in in this this industry, in, in different roles. And at times I've got that right. And at times I've got that not so right. And times I've got it really wrong. So I'm really conscious of it. And, you know, we, we all learn every single day. And one of the things that we talked as an ownership group uh, about when the club was acquired and I joined, was how we could be more transparent and open with the supporters, just what we're doing today. Um, so, you know, I want to make sure that we've got some fans forums plumbed in. There'll be one before the start of the season. Um, and then I want to put some in dates in throughout the season. So whether we win, lose or drawing at that point in time, the fans know there's a forum coming up and we'll meet the fans, myself, Cookie, if the owners are here, maybe Mike O'Leary or the backroom staff, whatever, and engage with the fans. Um, I was just talking to, to Steve Pearce and the media team uh, th th this morning. I want to try and arrange something on the opening day of the season um, in the fan zone where myself and I'm sure the, 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 the owners' um, travel restrictions allowing will be here. 
where we can take some form of Q&A with the fans in the fan zone uh, and interact. Um, the more of this type of communication that I can do, the more I can do on our own platforms, the better. There will always be things that we can't talk about, particularly players and the transfers. But that doesn't mean there's not a load of stuff that we can't talk about. And I just think the more we communicate to our fan base, the better. Um, whether that's about stadium redevelopment, whether that's training ground, whether that's academy, whether that's community trust, etc., etc. Um, so we are going to try our best to be as open and transparent as we can. It sounds like that will extend to, to the training ground as well. Paul was talking towards the end of last season about potentially having fans up for selected training sessions and things like that, which is things the club have done in the past that's kind of not been there for, for quite some time. No. It seems that Paul's well on board with it that is. as well. And it's really important because, look, the football, we talked about this, and this isn't just words, the football club sits at the heart of our local community. We have a community trust that we want to build. Um, I've talked about this before. I'm passionate about we use football as a medium to motivate and engage with our local community. Look, the world, our nation, everyone in the country for the last 18 months have been in real challenging times with COVID-19 and, and the pandemic. I, I sat watching the, the, the game with, with, with my son Jacob and Luke Warren last night and I said to Luke during the game, there's no other sport in this country, whether it's cricket, rugby, Wimbledon, that brings people together. Just look at the way that brought the nation together. Look at the fans' parks that were open last night and the way people were celebrating. If football is, is our language. It brings people together. And Ipswich Town has got to be a part of that. We've got an amazing county here. And we need to engage with the county. We need to engage with all the key stakeholders. We need to work in the community because I genuinely believe that a successful um, Ipswich Town football club, both on and off the pitch, enhances our local community whether that's economically from a health perspective from an excitement and happiness perspective a winning Ipswich Town a successful Ipswich Town football club this county's better can you feel that there's a, a, a new energy sort of I guess it's not new for you you've only been here a month you wouldn't have known the old energy but can you feel that there's like a, a swelling of support for this club at the moment a feeling of kind of new beginnings that kind of thing can you feel that in here yeah I mean Again, I, I can't tell you what it was like. I can tell you what the perception was, um, but there's certainly an energy. I mean, we, we are we're over 12,000 season ticket sales. Our shirt sales are up 70%. That tells you something. Numbers don't lie. Um, and, you know, like, joking apart, whether I'm getting my hair cut this morning, whether I'm in the gym, or whether I'm in... Uh, Waitrose and I'm getting served by the lad at the counter who's got his mask on with his Ipswich Town logo on I know who you are sign some more players come on thank you <laughs> keep going and you get little pockets of that everywhere and for me as a person that's really important because it makes you, you, you get isolated it's like you've been in a bunker when you run a football club so just to get those little snippets from, from fans is great because remember whether it was Bristol City or, or, or Ipswich Town for the last 18 months we've been at stadium with no fans I am so excited, you know, come that first game to have fans back in here and we want to engage with them and we want them to be part of, of this journey. So in answer to your question, my God, there's an energy in this place and at the training ground. Mike O'Leary went to the training ground yesterday for a coffee with Paul. Mike came back and said, it's a different place. It's a different place. 
five more players, it'll be a different place again. But we're going to create energy, we're going to create tempo, we're going to create pace. And the one thing I promise the fans is they will get absolute resilience, energy, effort from me and my team to take this football club forward. What was your perception of, it, of Ipswich Town before you before you came in here? It'd be really interesting to know that actually, from because we kind of live this football club through our work kind of all day every day, and to hear what other, from an outsider thought of the football club would be really interesting. It, it would be easy to say sleeping giant because it's a word that gets a term that gets used in football time and time again. But I genuinely felt it was. Um, you know, I've come here over the years with opposition teams. One, it's always been a great place to come and play football. And two, you could always feel the energy from the fans. And I guess just the perception from the outside was over the last few seasons that energy had dipped um, and just felt like the club needed reigniting. Um, And that happens at clubs in, in, in periods. I've been at clubs where that's happened. So my emphasis here was to come in, bring people with me that would bring a different energy and a different um, professionalism and a different tempo, if you like, um, to the building. And I think thus far, anybody who's been here near working with us will say, my God, they set a tempo. Recruitment is obviously taken up a big chunk of your time. We've discussed that. The Portman Road, the stadium as well, I know is, uh, is also a big priority for you. How different a ground can fans expect when they arrive on the uh, August the 7th or for the pre-season games um, and how difficult has it been getting everything done that you, you want to, Mark? You know, I knew you were going to ask me that question at some point and I, I thought last night when I was at home, lung and hard about how, how I, I would answer that. Um, uh, and it's a piece that I want to be honest with the supporters about. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, and you can imagine the pressure and the challenges that the transfer window brings. That's okay. We'll step through with that. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. We are going to restructure the business. Um, that's okay. I'm all right with that. The one bit, and I try and use my words carefully, that upsets me. When I go home at night, the one thing that does upset me is the condition that Portman Road is in. Um, this is our home. And you guys will have pulled up today and small things are happening. The lines on the car park have been painted. The windows have been cleaned. The bird mess has been removed. The stadium is starting to be cleaned. But that is less than 0.1 of a percent on what we need to do. Um, There are some big long-term projects around changing large numbers of seats in the stadium. The pitch needs to be sorted, which is probably a year down the line. Um, that will link on to the, uh, the track around the pitch needs to be replaced. That means that you, our dugouts are substandard and need to be redesigned and redeveloped and repositioned. Um, the cleanliness of the facilities needs to be looked at. It, it's tired, it's, it's dated and it needs some real love and care. And I'm going to be honest with you, it upsets me because this is our home, this is the supporters' home. And I would love to be able to say to the fans that when they walk in for the first game, everything's going to be perfect, but it's not. I've been here just over four weeks. And in all honesty, I think it's going to be a big financial investment for us to sort the stadium out. And it's probably going to take 12 to 18 months. And... 
it's it's like when you buy an old house and you think I'm going to redecorate the wall and you take the wallpaper off and all of a sudden the plaster comes off and there's an old fireplace and the chimney's falling down. In some ways it's like that in some areas. Um, we are embarking on a big project here to bring Portman Road, in my opinion, up to a professional standard that the fans can be proud of. And it does upset me. I come in every day and the guys see me. It, it, it frustrates me. Um, it's tired. It is run down. And I'd ask the fans to bear with us because we will bring this club back to life. It's on our watch now. We understand that. But I just can't do it all at once. Mm. There are some things that the club can't... It, it's almost kind of synonymous with where the club's gone on the pitch, like the, the moss on the roof of the back of the north stand, the peeling windows on the cobbled stand over the other side there. The, the, these things that not affecting performance, but it does affect how people feel about a club sometimes, doesn't it? If you rock up and you see brown tape peeling off of yeah. a window that's been there for four years. On the day that I joined the football club, you guys were here... I got, I'd come in nice, smartly dressed in a suit. I couldn't sit down on the seats in the stadium because they were filthy. That can't happen. Mm. And I know we've been in lockdown and, and that's happened to a lot of stadiums, but we've got to sort it out. I found out last week that the Ipswich Town sign that sits outside the main reception, high on the stand with the club logo, used to light up. That was illuminated. I've never seen it illuminated. It doesn't work. It needs... That will be fixed. That will be sorted out. Um... Our reception, our main reception at the football club has been closed for around, I don't know, two to three years. We will appoint shortly a receptionist. We will open reception. This football club is open for business. I want this amazing stadium with such history and tradition behind it to be something that the fans are so proud of, that the staff are proud of, that the players are proud of. The canopy that sits outside the tunnel will be replaced it's been ordered I can't get it in for the first game it'll be in for the second or third game we have a timeline now and a list of everything that needs to be done and we will commit to do that but it's going to take some time we will give the supporters a Portman Road that they can be proud of the ownership group and yourselves will have done as much due diligence as possible when you bought this football club the reason the owners have bought this football club is because it's seen as an opportunity to, to grow. So you'll have, there'll have been some things that you'll have been expecting, but have there been some surprises in terms of the structure that you've inherited? Has it been more stripped back than you expected? What? No, it, it's exactly what I, in, in, in all honesty, the structure is, is, is exactly where I, I expected to be. So, so I'll give you an example of that. So we knew, I knew my biggest challenge was the timing of the deal when we when we the ownership acquired the club and when I could join. Why? Because we were going to hit a transfer window. Why? Because Paul Cook wanted to really transform the team and the squad. But we have no recruitment department. We have no objective or subjective recruitment department. And I can't build that overnight. That is a project that will start at the end of the transfer window. And by the time we get to the next transfer window, we will have a team being built. So right now... Every agent, every player, every club has to come through either myself, Luke Ware and Paul Cook or his team. And that's fine. That's We are where we are right now and we'll build it. We'll build the aeroplane while we're in flight, as someone once said. Um, but it, it isn't a shock or a surprise. The, the club is where it is. Um, and I've said to people before, you know, we talk about this being a big club or a sleeping giant, but right now we are in League One. 
and we have to earn our stripes and we have to get out of this division. Cool. Sorry, you, we've just what? gone back to recruitment there a little bit. Um, is that why you maybe gulp when Paul Cook tells you that I want to let 20, 25 football players go and obviously they need to be replaced because you haven't got, like, assuming you haven't got the setup around you like you've had at Bristol City, which would perhaps make that a little bit easier? Um, yeah, I think, that's, I, think, I think the gulp is always when you see the quantum. Um, and the anxiety comes when you haven't actually start, you haven't met with the people, you haven't worked the people. You think, God, this is going to be this is going to be a task. But yeah, you you are right, and and I think recruitment, player rec- talent identification, and player recruitment together are singly some of the most important areas of the football club because we can have the biggest and best commercial deals. We can we can redevelop and redesign and rebuild and make Portman Road immaculate. But if we sign the wrong players, it all comes apart and yes I like I like to, to the guys who are working with me on and off the pitch here Paul included are getting used to how I work I'm systematic I like to be considered in my judgments and I like us to work professionally um, and that means from a recruitment perspective having real experts in that field to help us plan one two three transfer windows ahead we can't do that at the moment we just got to build a team right now that we think can be competitive in this division. So, how many would that number? How many would what would a recruitment team look like in, in an ideal world? Well, it flexes in reality into what division you're in. Um, I think if if you're in League One, I can see by Christmas us having four or five people in that recruitment recruitment department who are both data driven and scouting driven, but of us are of a certain type that can understand what I want and Paul wants and can work with us to prepare plans for the future. If you're in the championship, because the reality is, if you're in League One, the majority of your recruits are UK-based. The minute you move into the championship, it's an international game. That brings a whole different dynamic to recruitment and is a far riskier area of recruitment. Um, And if you're into the Premier League, you're in a whole different ball game again. So it's something that has to, if you like, ebb and flow through the divisions. But the core policies and processes that we put in place will remain the same. And some of those are in now and in already. What about outgoing deals? We talked about incomings. Yep. Is that, has that been difficult? Obviously, a lot left at the end of contracts. That's yep. relatively simple. That helped. But there are others that we that we wanted to move. Um um, and it was just time for a different challenge for them and because we wanted to go in a different direction it doesn't mean that they're particularly bad people or bad players it just doesn't fit what Paul wants to do so again that takes time, energy, relationships that you fall back on um, um, both with agents and clubs and you know I think thus far we've we've done really well on the ones that we moved out as well as in and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I'm really happy with the business we've done so far and still more to go out, presumably, by the way you're talking. Uh, yeah, it could be a couple. And I just really I wanted to finish on, on a culture point, really. We've talked a lot about capital and resources and how it's which are perceived in the market. But the, the owners, whenever we've spoken to, to Brett, to Mark, to Burke, they've talked about culture is going to drive this football club going forwards. And you've shared a story with us already, Mark, that I think the fans would, would really like to hear in terms of... Um, where this where this money's coming from yeah. and how how it links into the culture of the club. Thank you for asking that, and th- thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to to the fans about that because it's in, it's important. So, when we sign a player, 
or a staff member joins us, um, Rakeem Harper, for for example, when Paul has the football conversation with Rakeem, that's his area. I do the contract piece and the finance piece with the agent and the club. But then there's a culture and behaviour piece, which is really important. So I take Rakeem for a walk around the training ground. And I told, told Rakeem a story. Wes Burns was told the same. Um, they'll, they'll all be told the same. Is that the fund that pays our salaries, the fund that will finance this football club going forward, the money that goes into that fund comes from US firemen, people in the ambulance service, policemen, those type of human beings. Every single day, those people have to run towards danger and have to run towards adversity. That's what they do. And one of the things that Mark Steed said to me in the early days is when we develop our culture and our behaviours within the club, I want you to tell people that and I want them to understand that they represent the fund that is, if you like, representing those type of people, the people that run towards adversity. So our players have to understand, our staff have to understand, we have to run to adversity, we have to take on the challenge. So there's no good a player coming to me and moaning that the training ground pitches aren't correct, or the strip's not good enough, or we haven't got sold enough tickets, or that we haven't got the buses in of a high enough quality. Remember where the money comes from that funds our salaries, that funds this football club. They run towards adversity, they deal with danger, they deal with challenge. We'll get all those things in time, but understand what we're representing and who we're representing. And I think that's really powerful. And when I spoke to whether it be um, James Norwood in relation to that, or Wes Burns or Rakeem Harper, they've all gulped when I've told them that, because I promise you, those aren't just words. We will live by those behaviours. And the one thing I can promise the fans, we might get things right and we will get things wrong, but we will be relentless in moving this football club forward. We will not leave a stone unturned. We will try and do it the right way. I promise we will try and communicate as best we can. We will give everything that we have to take this fantastic football club back to where we think it should belong. I think that's a really powerful message to end on, Mark, if there's anything else you you want to add. but um... I'd just like to thank the, the supporters I'd like to thank you guys for the way in the four or five weeks I've been here and my staff have been here that you've welcomed us. I said in day one, we can't do this together. We can't. Um, The club is well funded, but we have salary cap protocols that we have to live to. The more season tickets we sell, the more shirts we sell, the more corporate seats we sell, the more fans we get in the stadium, means the more we can spend on players. It's as simple as that. Um, So I would simply thank the fans Thank the 12,000 plus that have re-signed season ticket-wise for next season. Thank the amazing supporters who've been and bought the shirts. Thank everyone for what they've done thus far. But come on the journey with us. We need you with us. We can only do it together. Come on, let's get this done. We're recording this a couple of days before the pre-season game at Dartford. You must be really looking forward to that. Paul must be as well. He's he's not played a game in front of the Twitch fans <laughs> yet. It's going to be. This is the start, isn't it? This Saturday. It, it, it begins. We'll be there. I'll be there. My staff will be there. We're excited. Um, and we'll be busy in the transfer window. You guys have seen it. The phone's been buzzing all meeting. We've got lots to do. I'm so proud to be here. I'm privileged to be given the opportunity to lead this football club. And I just will say the same thing to fans. I promise you, I will give everything I've got to take this football club forward. Sounds good to me. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. 
Well, there we have it. A packed half hour there with New Ipswich Town CEO Mark Ashton. So many bases covered. Plenty more to cover, of course, and hopefully it's something we can do again with, with Mark over the course of the season. Hope you enjoyed listening. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it, tell your friends, leave reviews, all that jazz, as Ross Halls would say. And if you're going to Dartford this weekend, enjoy the game, hopefully in, in some sunshine. Good to see fans back at football again. I think we all we all need that. And enjoy Sunday night as well. And when we're back next week to uh, to break down the Dartford game and everything Ipswich Town, it may just have come home. So come on, England. Come on, Ipswich, and we'll speak to you next week. <laughs>